Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. Glory to God. Mark chapter 11, I was just referring to it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're talking about faith for the last days. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, talking about his return, will he find faith on the earth? Our answer is yes, thank God he will. Praise the Lord. Because we're going to be living by faith when he comes back. Amen. And uh, our walk with God is a walk of faith. The just shall live by their faith, is what the Bible says. And uh, in the last days, faith is not a, uh, a message of yesterday. Faith it has not be become irrelevant, outdated. It is the key to our victory. It is the key to our obedience. It is the key to us receiving and having everything he has prepared for us and prepared for us to do in these last days. Amen? And so faith is of vital importance. We've looked here at Mark chapter 11. We've looked at a number of, of, of other verses. And uh, so I want to, I tell you what, before we look at Mark chapter 11, let's go first of all to Hebrews. You can hold your place here or you can come back to it in just a minute. Go to Hebrews if you would, the 11th chapter, first of all, let's read these preliminary verses that we've looked at for several weeks here just to uh, set the stage so that we can go deeper into the word of God today. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe, that is have faith, that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So having faith is more than just believing in God as a person. It's more than just having faith that he exists. But faith that the Bible talks about that pleases God is faith that takes God at his word and believes that he will reward those who come according to the word. Amen. In other words, that he will do what he said he would do. Amen? So without faith... This kind of faith, Bible faith, it's impossible to please God. And then turn over just a few pages to James chapter one. <clears throat> and it says, if any man lacks wisdom, and of course we pointed out that the principle here uh, would also apply to anything that you would lack or need or ask of the Lord that would be in line with his word. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without approach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So if a man lacks wisdom, or you could add in, in there, if he lacks any kind of blessing, any uh, of God's provision, let him ask. And it says God will give to him liberally. God is not stingy with his blessing. 
He does not withhold things from us and string us along. God is ready to lavishly supply whatever need we have. In other words, not give it to us give it to us in a small measure, but give it to us in an abundant measure. God doesn't heal partly. A lot of times you'll hear people pray and they'll say, well, you know, I'm believing, and I want, you know, the Lord to heal me. And everybody prays and they come back and they say, well, you know, it's better. And, and uh, now we want to ask God to finish it up. We, we want to believe God for, for the full thing. You, you mean God only partially healed? God doesn't just, God doesn't just dole his healing out. If you ask for healing, it's granted. Amen. Now, now there is a, a, an act of faith that we take and, and sometimes there are varying degrees of, of time that passes while that uh, healing or whatever it might be, could be some other request, while that thing fully uh, manifests, but God acts immediately and he supplies the whole need, amen? Glory to God. Now, if you're new to the discussion of faith and Bible faith, uh, we uh, spirit-filled people and faith people, we have some terminology we use sometimes that people uh, might not be fully uh, familiar with. What, what does it mean? We talk about, you know, uh, believing God and then the manifestation. Uh, a good way to illustrate it is like this. Uh, if someone goes to the, to the mall and they open a door and they've, they have a cold, and they've got a runny nose, and you know, and they've, and they've got virus all over their hands, they grab hold of that door and open that door and go in. If somebody else comes in behind them, puts their hand on that same door, and then puts their hands in their eyes, what's gonna happen? Huh? That virus is gonna enter their blood system, isn't that right? Now you've seen these, you know, uh, science programs where it shows the virus, you know, going through the bloodstream and attacking all the organs, you know. Uh, well, as soon as that happens to somebody, they have a cold. They've just contacted a cold, contracted a cold, isn't that right? They have, now, they don't feel like it. They don't, they don't, they don't feel any symptoms, but they have a cold. I didn't say you, I said somebody else. If you don't know the word, you don't know how to believe God, you don't have to stand against these things, just the ordinary course of affairs, as soon as that virus goes into your body, you have a cold. It hasn't manifested yet. There's no outward evidence that you, you don't feel bad, your nose isn't running, you don't have you know, any of the other symptoms, you know, but you've got a cold, but that person would, isn't that right? Well, by the same token, when God when we believe we receive something from God, we have it then. That's why we believe we receive it because we have received it. See, uh, God doesn't heal or, or answer any prayer in the natural first. God always answers our prayer in the realm of the spirit because we are spirits. We're not, a lot of people talk about, you know, just body and soul, body and soul. They talk about people being body and soul. Well, number one, they have the order reversed. They put body first and body ought to come last. But we're not just body and soul. We're spirit, soul, and body. Humans are spirits. 
We possess souls. We live inside our physical body, but we are spirits. It's, it's that, uh, that part of us or that uh, uh, essential us that makes us like God. Now, before somebody goes out and misrepresents me, I didn't say it makes us God. We're not God, but we're in the same class of creature as God. In other words, God is a spirit. We are spirits. Angels are spirits. Do angels exist? Oh, absolutely. Obviously, evil spirits are spirits. Do evil spirits exist? Do demons exist? You know, you start talking about these things and people in, in modern society, they'll just roll their eyes and think, well, you're just a loon if you believe that. Well, you know, evil spirits, their demons are real. Jesus cast demons out of people. Besides that, he had conversations with them before they came out. And so if demons aren't real, if evil spirits don't exist, then Jesus was a loon. But they do exist. Amen. They are spirit beings. Well, men are spirits first. That's what we are. We are spirit creatures. We also have a soul and our spirit and soul live inside this body. Well, God, who is a spirit, when we receive something from him, when we ask in prayer and believe we receive something, it is granted to us first in our spirit. Healing always comes in your spirit. That's where, I'm not talking about the doctrine of spiritual healing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the fact that when God's healing power to heal your body, when it comes, it doesn't come into your body, it comes into your inner man, into your spirit man, and out from there, it flows into your natural body and affects your body. Amen? Uh, go with me to John chapter 16. John 16, verse 23. John 16, 23, Jesus said, in that day you will ask me nothing. He's talking about the day in which we live today, the day of the church. In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will Give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, when does it say he will give it to you? It's not a trick question. When you ask. Whatever things you ask, he said, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will will give you. He will give it to you. Now, go over to uh, Matthew and look at the seventh chapter of Matthew. This is a familiar passage in verse seven and eight. Ask, notice there's, there are three things, asking, seeking, and knocking. He said, ask and it will be given to you Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. 
For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. So he's talking about three things, asking, seeking, and knocking. Let's just focus on the asking. Notice he said in verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. And then verse 8 says, for everyone who asks receives. Now you have to interpret the Bible in light of the Bible. Don't try to interpret the Bible in light of what other people say. Don't ever try to interpret the Bible in light of, of uh, traditional thinking or what people say or, or some other uh, philosophy or doctrine. Always interpret the Bible in the light of the Bible. So when he said, everyone who asks receives, we have to remember that James said, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. Do not let that man even suppose he will receive. So we know he's talking here about asking in faith. Amen. Everyone, we could say, who asks in faith receives. Now, go over with me to Mark chapter uh, 11 again. Mark chapter 11. Verse 24 says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that, in, that is in your heart, believe that you receive them. Why are we supposed to believe we receive them? Because we have received them. Because everyone who asks in faith receives. Ask and it shall be given unto you for everyone who asks receives. Therefore, whatever things you pray, you ask when you pray, believe that you receive. Why? See, he's not asking us to believe something that's not true. He wants us to believe we receive it because we have. And so whenever you ask God for something, as, and you ask in faith. Now, also, you have to remember that 1 John 5 says, if we ask anything according to his word, according to his will, he hears us. Well, if we do not ask according to his will, he didn't hear us, he can't grant it. So there's that part we have to add. If we ask anything according to his will, then we know that we have what we've asked for. Because it says that as soon as we ask, we receive. So believe you receive. Believe it right then because you have it. Now, you have it like the person on the negative side. They have that cold virus in. They have a cold. But there's no evidence of it. it, it it's it's going to take, I don't know what the incubation time is for, you know, common cold virus, but whatever it is, a few hours or a day, I don't know. But, uh, before the symptoms arrive, they still have the cold. Well, before your healing or before the answer to any prayer, if it's a prayer for a financial need that you have or uh, something you're wanting God to do in your life, you know, to, to, uh, that's in line with his word, whatever it is you've asked, as soon as you ask, right then believe you receive it because God granted it. 
He put it in, he put the answer, he put the reality of the thing, he put that thing in you when you asked. See, a financial, if you have a, you know, you're trying to meet your budget and there's a shortfall and you're, and you're saying, Lord, I need extra money this month. I've had this unusual circumstance coming up and I don't, I don't know how to, you know, I don't have the money. And I, I'm just asking you, Lord, to just to, 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 to some supernaturally supply my need. That financial answer is deposited in you, in your spirit, the moment you ask for it. You ask according to the word, you ask in faith, God grants it. Well, it makes sense then that we should believe we receive it because we have, isn't that right? So we've been talking up until this point about believing and we've looked at verse 22. It says, have faith in God. We're in Mark chapter 11, 22. Have faith in God. We skipped verse 23 and we went on down to verse 24 and we've been talking now for, for uh, uh, several weeks on the believing part. But there's another part to faith that is vitally important. In fact, without this that we're talking about today, faith will not work like it should. Amen. And it's the saying part. Notice Jesus said, have faith in God. Verse 23 says, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, that is, believes in his heart, that those things he says will be done, notice, he will have whatever he says. Now, this is just as much part of faith as, as the believing part is. I'm going to say it again. The saying part is just as much an element of faith as the believing part. He said, whoever shall say, shall not doubt in his heart, but, the, but who will believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. If you're not saying anything, you're short-circuiting your faith. You can believe in your heart, believe you've received God grants that thing as soon as you believe it, but you have to say something about it. For that thing to come to pass, you have to add your words to what you believe in your heart. He shall have whatever he says. Now go with me over to Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four. Romans, the fourth chapter. Just for sake of time, we'll pick up in verse 17. It's in the middle of a thought, but, but we'll get back to it. Verse 17 says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Of course, he's talking to Abraham. In the presence of him whom he believed. Now notice, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, I, I'm, I've never pointed this out before, but I'm going to today because it's, I think it's important. The words do not exist is not an exact translation. It's not a, a literal translation. It's more of an interpretation than it is a, a literal translation. The older King James says, 
uh, he calls those things which be not. To put it in more modern English, it would be calls those things which are not. The idea of do not exist, those words actually aren't in the Greek. It just says he calls God who calls those things which are not as though they were. Notice God calls things which are not as though they were. That is the, the essence of the life of faith. That's how a person operates. That's how he lives. That's how he functions. If he's going to live by faith, he has to call things which are not as though they were. Now, to people who are new to this, they, this is a major stumbling block to people. Because people, uh, our, our natural inclination, we've all been taught to tell the truth. The Bible teaches truthfulness. Isn't that right? The Bible teaches that we ought not say things that aren't so. And so, uh, this, like I said, this, is a, this particular verse of Scripture becomes a stumbling block to people because, because they will say, well, you know, I, I am not going to say something is that isn't because that's wrong that's 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 a misrepresentation that's that's almost like lying and and I, I point out yeah but God does it and people respond yeah but he also raises the dead that's something I can't do either is that what it said God who gives life to the dead and cause things which are not as though they were. People respond, yeah, but that's something God can do. Yeah, God can do that because he's God. He gives life to the dead. I can't do that. Well, not, not without God's help. But, but before we get to the question of whose prerogative it is, whether it's only God's or if it's also ours, let's, let's back up and let's analyze is it morally right to do it? Because people say, well, it would be wrong for me to say something is that isn't. Well, if it's wrong for me to do it, it'd be wrong for God to do it. If, in other words, not, not based on whose prerogative it is, but based on the morality of it, is it morally wrong to call something that isn't as though it is, to say something that is not and say that it is? Is that morally wrong? To, if it's morally wrong to do it, then God would be morally wrong because God does it. It says right here he does. God, he gives life to the dead. Thank God he does. He gave us spiritual life when we were spiritually dead. And God calls those things which are not as though they were. It could not be wrong to do it. It could not be morally wrong to do it because God does it. Amen. And, and he gives us the example of it right here in, the, in this very verse. He says, as it is written, you'll notice that the... That the uh, Following uh, statement there is in italics. That means it's a quotation from the Old Testament. As it is written, this is quoted from Genesis 17, verse 5, speaking to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. 
When God, that was God speaking to Abraham. His name was Abram at the time and he changed his name to Abraham. He said, I'm, I'm no longer call your name Abram. Call your, call, begin to call yourself Abraham because I have made you a father of many nations. At the time, Abraham was 99 years old. He had one son who was 13 years old. His wife was uh, 90 years, 89 years old. She had never had a child. The one child he had was through Hagar, his handmaiden. And so here he is, he's 99 years old. He's got one 13-year-old child. And God says, I have, not I'm going to, not I'm going to, I have made you a father of many nations. Got one 13-year-old boy. What is God doing? He's calling things which are not as though they were. The reason it's right to do it is it's right when we're speaking words of faith. Now, you can't go to the bank and say, <laughs> I, I'm going to call my bank account you know, having $100,000 in it and write checks on it when I know it be not. <laughs> We're talking about whenever you're saying things that line up with the word. When you say things that are according to the word, that are according to his will, misrepresenting your bank account is not according to his will. You, you won't get blessed that way. But there are places and, and situations in life where we approach things and we approach them by faith and faith always calls those things which are not as though they were. It always does. Amen. Go over with me to uh, Hebrews 11 again. Hebrews 11. Verse one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You hope to be healed. Faith gives substance to that. When you add your faith to what you hope for and, and, and the, the way you add it is you believe you receive it and you start acting on that. That's, that's, now you've moved from faith, from hope over into faith and, and that faith gives substance to the thing hoped for but it's also the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. This is, this is the part that ties in with calling those things which are not as though they were. Now think about it. Now we're, now we're gonna talk about prerogative for a minute. It's God who gives life to the dead and calls things which are not as though they were. How many of you know that when God calls something which is not as though it were, it suddenly is? Isn't that right? Say that again. When God calls something that is not as though it were, it suddenly is. And it is because he called it. He called it as though it were, and when he called it as though it were, though it was not, it becomes. That's how faith works. 
Notice here in, in, in 11.1, Hebrews 11.1, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm the only person I've ever heard of. I've never heard of anybody else doing what I've done in my entire life. I'm the only person I've ever heard of that looked up in the dictionary and looked up the word thing. And I've never heard anybody say they looked in the dictionary to find out what a thing is. Thing, that's just one of those words that we learn real early and we just know what it means, just use it, right? But I, I wanted to, because it was important, I was analyzing this verse, things not seen. So I looked it up in the dictionary, what's a thing? And the dictionary says a thing is that which exists. That's what a thing is. That's what the dictionary says. That which exists. If it doesn't exist, it's no thing. Nothing. Isn't that right? Faith is the evidence of things that exist, but they're not seen. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It comes into existence the minute you believe you receive it. How do you know that? Because Jesus said, ask and it will be given unto you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks, of course we know according to James, in faith, not in doubt, but in faith, everyone who asks receives. Well, if you receive it, God grants it, then it exists. Yeah. It's, it's not the best analogy, but think about the cold virus again because it's, that's, that's not a good thing, but think about that. It's in there, it exists, but there's no outward evidence of it. You don't feel bad. You have no, you know, if somebody says, how are you doing? Do you have a cold? You say, no, I'm having a picture of health. Everything's fine. You've got all this stuff going around in your, in your body. Isn't that right? Well, when you've asked, God grants it and it exists. How did it come into existence? It came into existence when you said, I believe I receive it. What are you doing? Calling those things which do not exist as though they were. Let's look at another passage. Go with me to uh, 2 Corinthians. Uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter four. But I might want to go somewhere else. Let's go to John chapter 20. Hold your place and go to John chapter 20. Remember doubting Thomas? How would you like to be stuck with that moniker? Doubting Jane. <laughs> Old Steve, doubting Steve. <laughs> For all of time, his name is associated with doubt and unbelief. Boy, did he ever mess up big. And he thought he was being so cool when he did it. The disciples said, we've seen the Lord. And I can just see Thomas, well, unless I see him and put my finger in the prince of his, I am not falling for that. 
So forever, he's tagged as Doubting Thomas. Good for him. Now, Thomas, you know, wasn't there when Jesus appeared, so he, he said those stupid things. So Jesus appeared to him and said to him, uh, verse 27, reach your finger here, Thomas. Look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. You think Jesus heard him? <laughs> Jesus, yeah, won't won't. Jesus wasn't there when he said it, but he heard it. Heard us too. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. <laughs> Talk about being humbled. Jesus said to him, Thomas, you goofball. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The Bible says that Jesus appeared to uh, over 500 brethren, 500 people, after he was raised. Was it four or 500 people? Five, after he was raised from the dead, it says he appeared to over 500 people. Paul made that statement back when he wrote in 1 Corinthians. He said, and the, and the greater part of them were still alive when, when Paul wrote that. He, he appeared to over 500 people after he was raised from the dead. Huh? Yeah, at one time. Jesus did not appear and reveal himself to those people so that they would believe because there's no blessing on that. He said, Thomas, I'm sorry, but you're not blessed. You believe me because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. There's no blessed, listen, it doesn't take an ounce of faith to believe something, an answer to prayer or anything else when you can see it. I mean, when it's manifested. You, that doesn't take any faith. There's no blessing on that. He told Thomas, he said, the blessing is upon those who've not seen. Why did Jesus appear to 500, over 500 people after he was raised in the dead? So that they would go out and be witnesses of his resurrection and that through their testimony, we would believe it without seeing it. That's why he appeared to those 500 people. Not for them, but for us. So that, so that there would be a historical account. Somebody could say, I've seen him. I saw him. He's been raised from the dead. But you and I have never seen him. But we believe. That's what faith is. It's in the unseen realm. And, and faith always speaks about what it sees and knows in the realm of the spirit. It always, listen, if you, I, I, I want you to, I don't want you to, have the idea that you quote unquote have to say it. I don't want you to think of it that way because you can get over into works just saying a bunch of things. What I want you to see is the importance of saying it but in the context of believing it, if you believe you have received it, you will say it. And that saying of it is the dynamics that causes it to manifest in your life. Amen. It's one of the most critical parts of acting on the word is saying what you believe. Again, if you really believe it, if you really believe you've received it, you can't help but speak it. 
The only reason that you would not speak it is doubt would come against your mind and say, no, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't hold on. Hold on. You're going overboard here. Now you're yielding to doubt and unbelief. So saying it is essential, but I don't want you again to think about it in the sense, well, I have to say something. No, believe you receive it and then understand that it's right and it's moral for you to say it because like God, you're saying those things which, which are not seen as though they were. Things which are not, but really they are because you believed it and you acted on it and God granted it. And just like God who he calls those things which are not, well, as soon as he calls the are not, are, they are. Well, as soon as you believe you receive and you call the are not are, it are too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. It are too. D2. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I tell you what, before we get in the next section, we'll just stop here. I went over last week. <laughs> quite a bit, so we'll give you a break this Sunday. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father, for your word. Your word is true. Your word is alive. Glory to God. Oh, we thank you, Father, for your word. Walk in the light of the word. Let your actions and your words align with what you believe in your heart and these things come to pass because I say they come to pass, says the Lord. They don't come to pass because of what you do so much as they come to pass because you do what I say and what I say is where the power is. So line yourself up with the word and speak words that correspond to what you believe and see how quickly things change in your life because the little things that are holding you back are not pleasing to me and the little things that cause you to stumble I have given you victory over but you have to use your faith and your words to see that victory manifest in your life hallelujah glory to God you know we put up with too many little things just little things we just put up with them and, and they're not pleasing to God because we don't learn faith. When we put up with little things, we don't learn faith. In fact, we learn compromise. That's what we, you know, you know those of you who are in, into uh, exercising and bodybuilding, you know what's called muscle memory? You know, the more you do something, your, your, your body learns you know, those, the, it learns how to do certain things because you do it. Well, the more you put up with things that, are, that don't line up with the word simply because you can, they're not that big deal, big a deal. What you're doing is you're learning to compromise and you're reinforcing that in your life. Instead, don't put up with the little things, stand against those things. That's where the life of faith is learned is in the everyday things. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.